Hello and welcome to this Ockley Books podcast. I'm Chris Nee, and this week we're continuing our focus on six legendary football figures. We're doing so to mark the release of Portrait of an Icon, the book that brings together all of the football365.com profiles of the same name. Portrait of an Icon will be available to buy soon from ockleybooks.co.uk and proceeds will be donated to the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation. Last time we talked about Bobby Robson, and this week we're talking about one of his players. But first, let's bring in the book's author, Daniel Story. Hi, Dan. Hi. You right? Very well. Good. Very well. Good. Another big shout this week. Um, <laughs> all connected, of course. And we're joined again by David Hartrick from Ockley Books. Dave, why don't you tell us which player we're talking about this week? El Phenomeno. Ronaldo. Actual, proper Ronaldo. Actual, proper, genuine, Brazilian <laughs> Ronaldo. Big shout as well. A favourite in this room for all three of us. And I think mm. probably age has something to do with that. Mm. Um, why is he such a favourite, Dan? What What is it about him in general that makes him stand out for our generation? For our generation, I think there's three reasons for everyone and I think there's four reasons for our generation. He's a great striker. He, we, We've kind of lost that idea of the, the great poacher, perhaps, in football these days or the great centre-forward. Ronaldo was both. He was one of the best, if not the best, striker of all time, in my opinion. Um, secondly, he was injured a heck of a lot. He came through a lot in his playing career to be brilliant, um, which inevitably creates a degree of popularity. He played with a smile on his face. He, he took incredible and obvious joy in what he did, which I think people appreciate watching. Uh, and in this room, as you say, we were of an impressionable age, all of us. Um, and he was one of certainly my first foreign football heroes at a time when certainly at PSV and to an extent Barcelona as well we didn't see foreign players every week um, he was he had that air of mystery and that air of otherworldliness in in how good he was I think yeah powerful fast yeah he had the lot didn't he for for that era of striker before it became you know about being that really genuinely huge physical presence up front on your own. Yeah. He could do it all on his own and be super fast. Yeah. He, uh, and that's that's the thing you, you will come back to time and time again, I think, in this 20-odd this minutes, is that he really did have the lot. But I think the other thing about Ronaldo was something happened in the mid-90s, and that's that Nike and Adidas started to advertise on normal television, not just around sports programming. And one of the first sort of one of the biggest adverts that really took it to another level was Brazilian team in the airport 1998. And that advert starts with Ronaldo and it finishes with Ronaldo hitting the post at the end. And that was very much the moment that he became the global superstar of football for that moment. Now, it's it's sort of impossible for a certain generation to look back and think that wasn't that wasn't a thing that happened all the time. But Dan's quite right. He was... It, it, there was an air of mystery to him. You couldn't watch him every single week in, week out. You couldn't go on Twitter and watch a six-second vitamin. So even to see an advert like that felt special and felt something so that when you did get to see him, you're expecting him to do all the things he could do in the adverts, and he did. <laughs> yeah. I When I did a bit of research for this, it dawned on me through various websites that he'd never won a Champions League. Mm. I've got that wrong, haven't I? Yeah, no, he's, he's never won a Champions League. Greatest player never to do that. Yeah, I, I looked greatest at greatest player of his generation to never do that. Yeah, mm. I, I looked at a little list. There aren't many competitors. I think Gianluigi Buffon is probably a viable competitor. And then there's a list of 
George Weir, Michael Ballack, Fabio Cannavaro, Alan Shearer, Lilian Churam, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. No, they are, I think they are all a step below the ethereal of Ronaldo. Um, so yeah, I think absolutely right. Gianluigi Buffon, completely different player, is perhaps the only one as, as with such a reputation in his position. But even that, I think, is a step below. We spoke about Bobby Robson last week. Um, what what level of importance, though, do you put on Robson's impact on Ronaldo's early club career? Massive, because Ronaldo was always bound for the biggest and very best things in football. But there was a, a bit of a there was a bit of a leap of faith in coming to Holland um, and playing under Bobby Robson, and um, it was. There was also, he was following a path that Romario, who was the global superstar, he was basically stepping, in a very literal sense, into his shoes. And I think Bobby Robson had a huge impact, but I would also say, again, you, you've really got to look at the character of Ronaldo, even as a youngster, being able to, to take that in his path. I, I remember the Umbro Cup in, I think it was 1995, when he came to Wembley as a, as a teenager. And you could instantly see when he when he got the ball, he was something different. He was something special. And the ability to recognise that and nurture that and pick a career path that worked for him, I think, again, is something that a lot of players in, in the modern game have failed to do, to be perfectly honest with you. I had a, a thing in the 90s for AC Milan. I've never been an AC Milan supporter. I've never had an allegiance for that club. I've always felt there's something about them. Out of the two Milan clubs, it's always the one I've kind of lent towards, I guess. There was something about Inter as well at that point mm. in time. And th- Despite having a mild preference for the other lot and generally having more affection for some other teams in Italy, I could at some point in the 90s still have told you the 1-20 to 20 of squad numbers at Inter because mm. they were giants, some of them, of European football. Ronaldo was one of those. And then, you know, prior to that, we'd had Barcelona, which is Barcelona, and then the PSV team that, that did so well under under Bobby Robson. Was there ever not a buzz about this kid? I, I think there was always a buzz, principally because of, of what Dave mentioned at the start about the fact that we've this wasn't a time when we saw or heard about kids at 13 or 14, never mind 10 and 11, as with now. So he was part of, Ronaldo was part of the 1994 World Cup squad at the age of 17, but didn't play. But this is a guy who won the World Player of the Year at 20. That's before, you know, that's before Inter, which, you know, he won it again at Inter, but to win that at 20, that's the youngest ever winner of that. That is incredible. That is, when you actually look, stop and think about that, it's absolutely incredible. Given what Messi, Ronaldo, what everyone's done now and, and how much we know about footballers now from the age of 12, 13, 14 and all the way through, to come out of effectively comparative nowhere and win the World Player of the Year award at 20, he was a superstar at that point. Mm-hmm. He has to have been. He's been named the best player in the world. So no, there was never not a buzz about him because the time between hearing about him, which is when he came to PSV at 17, and winning the World Player of the Year was so short that there had to always be a buzz about him. There was also a huge weight of expectation because it's worth noting that Brazil, for all their colour, the way they played, and the players you can reel off, Socrates, etc., etc., they didn't have a huge lineage of pure centre-forwards. They had some very good ones. Bebeto was very good. Careca was very good. 
Um, but often the, the centre forward was the position in the team where it was considered a fairly jobbing player mm. while the rest did the, did the beautiful stuff around them. Now, Romario was a very good player, but I, for me, he was slightly overrated, which I know will get some going. But Ronaldo was not only a superstar, he was the first one to come into that Brazilian team as a striker and go, I'm going to be a superstar, I'm going to get the goals, and I'm going to be, he's still, for me, the ultimate big game player. I'm going to do it in the games that matter, in a yellow shirt. And to be fair, I think that's something that Neymar is taking on now. And I don't think there's been anyone before, and I don't think there's been anyone after, tell Neymar has, mm-hmm. has possibly got the chance to do it. We don't talk a lot about Ronaldo's position, tactically, mm-hmm. uh, because he's just this all-encompassing, brilliant mm-hmm. striker. But it's an interesting point about what Brazilian striker meant before and after him, because it he didn't usher in a period of top Brazilian traditional centre forwards, you know, it went very much back to you know, Luis Fabiano, who was there oh. to do a job and did it very well for a period for Brazil. But it wasn't as if Ronaldo changed the game. No, and his, 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 his nickname, Il Phenomeno, he it's a cliche, but he broke the mould. There was there was almost no point trying to follow what Ronaldo did because the natural ability, the you know, the actual physical presence of his his skill set was impossible to copy. And he also started as that poacher at PSV and, and Barcelona and then kind of developed into this complete centre-forward at Inter. Serie A changed him because, you know, it, it had to because defence sat so deep that he couldn't play as that on the last shoulder and getting through. He still did it, of course, because he was Ronaldo, but he actually made himself this centre-forward, which is what he took through to his Real Madrid days and, and Brazil days 2002. So to have that those characteristics that were impossible to copy and then still have the awareness to change his game is, is that is what made him great. He was one of the ultimate modern footballers who somehow still managed to feel like a throwback. Mm. He managed to straddle the football's two eras mm. perfectly. Mm. It's a timing thing as well as a style thing, mm. I guess. You know, he just he, the, the, one thing is our age, but another thing is the time of mm. history that it was that, that he became the icon that, yeah, that he is. And the other slight point to that is that at the time when Ronaldo was coming through, football was getting very serious. It was mm. getting, it was mattering to win. So the financial implications of that meant it was getting serious. And Ronaldo was doing all this with a smile on his face. And that's mm. kind of what made him a throwback as well, in that it looked like he was having fun and yet he was still doing the serious things better than anyone yeah. else while having fun. He... Went to USA 94, they didn't use him, they won the competition without him. But we were all talking about the fact that he was there at 17 mm. years old, weren't we? You know, he, yeah. he was a name at that tournament, despite yeah. never kicking a ball. Um, the Brazil career that he went on to have was frankly enormous in mm. pretty much every regard. And the biggest part of that, arguably, is his goal scoring record at World Cup finals. Yeah. That. Is it a shame that that was beaten? No, because football moves on yeah. and that's what happens and no one will ever take away what he did. <laughs> I, I think it would be nice if he still had it, but that's life. And you can't take a, you can't take the record away from anyone else simply because they did it. I agree that it would be nice if a player like Ronaldo had it rather than a player like Miroslav Klose, who was yeah, very different. But It's only a shame in that a player of the same calibre hasn't come and overtaken him, mm. which... With all respect, closer. He's not in the no. same league. Got his win in 2002. He was exceptional 
mm. in that competition from from start to finish. Scored the goals in the final against Germany. Was that the high point? Yes, of his career overall. He never really beat that for for clubs, did he? And he did very well with club football, of course. But winning the World Cup and owning that World Cup final, mm. particularly after what happened yeah. previously. I mean, it might not come as any huge honour to him, but that's why he was in the book because of that 2002 World Cup final. The injuries he got at Inter, he was a brilliant player at Inter, but his spell at Inter is defined by his injuries. November 99, ruptured tendon, and then April 2000, seven minutes into his comeback, the huge injury, the career-threatening injury, the physical capacity-threatening injury. He, he said he, he, he just wanted to run again. He just wanted to be able to walk properly again and, and maybe play football. Yeah. So to come back and not only play in that World Cup, and he only had a few months before that tournament to get himself ready, to come back into that tournament and not just survive, but thrive and dominate that tournament and to score the two goals in the final. For me, because I love football and I'm an emotional sod, is one of the great stories in football's last 20, 30, 40 years, individual stories, because it showed an incredible amount of mental resilience because he knew he had the natural talent. And actually, that's at that point, the natural talent can, can actually be debilitating because you remember what you were and you worry that you will never be that again. So for him to come back and do that is is nothing short of sensational. Yeah. That, that puts a Stade de France-shaped elephant in the room, but I think we should give that the time it deserves. Um, mm. Before that, Real Madrid, having been a Barcelona player, that's the shirt that Ronaldo's wearing when I think of Club Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, he won two league titles there at the height of the, the Galactico era. For you, Dave... Real Madrid, Ronaldo, is that the definitive club Ronaldo or someone previously? I th- I think for me, and this is a very personal thing, for me, it's the UEFA Cup run with Inter and it's the definitive kit for me is the black and grey Inter away. He was, he was brilliant at Real Madrid. Uh, imagine playing internationally and club football in a position that means in your industry you have the single most expectation placed on you whenever you go out to play whatever shirt you wear. And now imagine surpassing that. It's, it's a pretty incredible career, but I think at Real Madrid, that era, the Galacticos era, and Ronaldo was a, was a huge part of that. And I would argue that those Galacticos didn't always live up to their billing. Mm. When they did, absolutely fantastic. But those games were few and far between. The constant, the 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 marker to follow was Ronaldo, who it didn't matter who he played with. It didn't matter if he had Zidane, Figo, Beckham feeding him. It, it really didn't matter. He He would score goals home, away, internationally, club football, whatever the game demanded. He, I remember him an away performance for Inter Milan. I think against somebody in Switzerland, freezing cold, snow on the side of the pitch, gloves on. He was away, absolutely fantastic. Scored a brace on the night. That's I for me Ronaldo. I can't really define him by one period of his career because he just had this magnificent knack of putting a shirt on and completely inhabiting it and becoming that that icon immediately. And few few players actually do that. Throughout this series, we're going to refer back a little bit to the Portrait of an Icon feature on the website and mm-hmm. therefore in the book too. Ronaldo's profile contains a pretty good account, Dan, I think, of France 98, mm. which 
is something of a negative when you when you compare it to the rest of Ronaldo's career, and it was very mm-hmm. much a focus on him. Um, and I remember as a, a child anticipating what Ronaldo was going to be in in the final of the World Cup in 1998. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen for him, did it? No. Um, there are various apocryphal tales, but I think one thing we can all agree is that Roberto Carlos called the club doctor because Ronaldo was having convulsions, panic attacks on the morning of the game, very early morning of the game, and the club doctor effectively said he's not going to be able to play. Um, he was originally left out the starting lineup. Dave has mentioned the the sort of not war, but the the growing rivalry between Nike and Adidas, which was something we'd not seen before in football. And Ronaldo was Nike, France were Adidas. Nike allegedly, reportedly demanded that he played and Brazil, because their kit was Nike, because they were all encompassed by Nike at that point, caved in and agreed to it. And Ronaldo was not the player he was. Personally, I, at that point, I was very upset as a child and it is still an upsetting part of Ronaldo's career. But... I prefer to focus on that as the starting point of the journey that ends in 2002 because I honestly believe that without the 98 final, if Ronaldo had sustained those injuries in 99 and 2000, I don't think he would have been as focused, as mentally strong, as resilient to push for that 2002 World Cup if 98 hadn't have happened. Because I think without that, it would have been the gap on his CV. If he'd have also struggled through 2002, he'd been taken, but he'd only got on the pitch for 20, 30 minutes of time and he'd scored twice, we wouldn't be talking about him as as much of an icon as we do. So I think 98 for me is the starting point rather than the defining moment. But there's no doubt at that point it was it was a it was a huge moment in his career. Am I right in thinking it was public that he wasn't in the team? Like it was a developing story, wasn't it? Yes. We all knew the it. BBC opened with the news that he was out and then very, very quickly they went to I think it was Motti. I think it was Motti who was Pigside mm. who had said, I've just been told and been handed a team sheet and Ronaldo is in. And when it went back to the studio, uh Dishy Des was there <laughs> and he I remember him saying we're going to have to clarify it we think he's in we're not it was a very modern sure. story actually in terms of nowadays clearly with modern social media stories are always breaking there's no such thing as a non-breaking story or a non-developing story but at that point that was quite rare wasn't it mm. you got the teams or you got the news and then you reacted to it it was very rare that, especially in sporting terms there was that breaking developing story Yeah, and it was huge it was huge it was um, setting aside the three of us, because I think we would probably put him roughly in this bracket or close to it, but why generally isn't Ronaldo talked about alongside Maradona, Pelé? I think players of that ilk, and by ilk I mean era, nostalgia treats them well. The lack of 24-hour coverage treats them well because it, it, it cuts out any negative connotations, in certainly maybe not in personality, but certainly in play. Um so I think there is a, a very real, before Messi and Ronaldo, there was a very real gap where we assumed that every player that was playing was not going to be as good as Maradona or was not going to be as good as Pele. Um, I also think his injuries probably detracted because he scored 47 goals in 49 games for Barcelona at physical peak in 96-97 before the injury problems came. So there will always be a sense of, well, he was brilliant, but could he have been more brilliant? Because... Clearly, they held him back in in some sense. Um, So I think that's probably the other reason. But I would like to think that certainly for people of our era, so 30s, 
I think that we consider him as the greatest striker of our, our era without doubt and probably with an asterisk next to Van Basten's name as well, possibly the greatest striker of all time. That must put him as an all-time great, Dave. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember watching Van Basten at his peak and he was otherworldly. Uh, Ronaldo was definitely otherworldly at times. He, re- he really was. But I think the other thing that slightly hurt, not not hurt is probably the wrong word, that probably cost him being talked about in those terms was that football was changing and football coverage became this uh, monster, all-encompassing mm. monster. And he was in an era with people like Zidane and various others who where perhaps you had players who were elevated, I think, past their true position and you had others who were a little bit undervalued because they were... I mean, you would literally... It sounds ridiculous, but you would literally have people comparing, well, is Zidane or Ronaldo the best player in the world? Completely different positions, completely different players, mm. completely different mindsets. So I think that that cost him. But I think there is something in a striker that is a fairly pure striker that is seen as a lesser thing than a creator. It's doing a job, isn't it? Yes. Rather than carrying a team, yeah. weirdly. Yeah. And, it, you know, Pele and Maradona scored lots and lots of goals and played nominally as strikers themselves at various times in their careers. But they weren't true strikers. They were creators. They were playmakers. They were they were playing behind the strike before that was even a thing. Mm. So, And that's why we're going back to the lineage of sort of great Brazil strikers. They'd had Pelé, a global megastar, the best player in world football, but they'd never had that player in that position for the entirety of his career. I think we'll leave it there with one eye on the clock, and I think we can confirm that Ronaldo Luis Nazario de Lima was a bit good, perhaps even better than the fake version of him on ISS Pro 98. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Dan and Dave. No problem. No problem. Portrait of an Icon will be available to buy soon from arclubbooks.co.uk. The music is by Wave.